The International Church of Vilnius, warm welcome, or rather a chilly welcome, depending on how you look at it this morning. We're going to start by singing hymn number eight, How Great Thou Art. Hymn number eight. If you'd stand and sing, please.
friends in Christ. Let us draw near to God our Father with a true heart to confess our sins and ask him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to forgive us. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Blessed is the Lord, for he has heard the voice of our prayer. Therefore shall our hearts dance for joy, and in our song we will praise our God. Responsive reading for Lamentations today. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yes, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Our second hymn this morning is number 55, All Creatures of Our God and King. Hymn number 55.
today is from Habakkuk. The prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and con- conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will answer to me and what answer I am going to give to the complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets, so that our hearers may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time, it speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it, it will certainly come and will not delay. See the enemy is puffed up, his desires are up, not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Philippians. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, <laughs> that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. I filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace park and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and they are all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. This is the word of the Lord. Our gospel readings from Luke chapter 17. The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. He replied, If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, 
Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, Come along now and sit down to eat? Won't he rather say, Prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that you may eat and drink. Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, We are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise to you, Christ. Maybe see you. Let me start by asking you, what is your mission? And if you don't have one, why not? Has your knowledge of God increased your love for others? And what's your view on suffering? What's your mission? Has your knowledge of God increased your love for others? And what is your view of suffering? Paul is in the Philippian jail writing his friends, a church that he was associated with, an obedient church. And in this passage in Philippians 1, we get Paul's perspective on these very questions about mission, love for others, and what it means to suffer, especially as a believer. In verse 5, if you want to follow along on the insert, he says, your partnership in the gospel from the first day, meaning they understood the mission of Jesus from the outset of their faith. They understood that their belief in Jesus for salvation was directly tied to Jesus' mission. And that also included them as disciples. He praises them for their involvement. They didn't wait to be told what to do. They just went for it. I think for many of us, as modern Christians, we have that hesitancy to think that we have to have our life or our faith in all together and put in nice rows before we can make an impact. Maybe we're thinking, what is my mission? How should I be a disciple of Jesus? I have my own gifts. I have my own talents. I want to encourage you today that as you grow, you will change. And your message changes. Though your message of the gospel doesn't change, the way you present it and the way you speak about the gospel changes. Why? Because from the first day that you believe to maybe to the end of your life, your understanding of the gospel will grow. Which means that every level of your faith as you grow is important and important to speak because there's other people that are in that same period of time in their faith. It's actually funny because I had written a sermon 
on this very passage three years ago, and I was reading it, and it didn't make sense to me anymore. Which is really, really strange for me, because that, that wasn't too long ago, but I didn't quite understand the place that I was coming from. And I like to think that that was because I'd grown, which was really, really surprising. He says in verse 6, He, that's Jesus, who began a good work in you will fulfill it to its completion. In other words, that our faith and our becoming Christ-like is a process. It involves growth. Our Christian life involves growth. So why do I say that? Why do I say that from the first day, he says, why he's praising that? Because if you wait, you lose that message. In the same way I lost that sermon, I can't speak about that anymore. I can't remember what I was thinking when I wrote that. Not that it was wrong, but that I didn't know the place that it was coming from, and it's lost now. And if I were to give it today, it probably wouldn't make much sense to me and even less sense to you because I wasn't there in the same mindset. Your message, your mission as a believer, and the message that you give to the world is your progress. And if you wait to give it, you'll forget just like a kid when they're in high school and they forgot that when they were 12 years old, they were six inches shorter. And they're like, oh yeah, I remember when I was short. And now I'm an adult, I'm, I'm grown. Your message is the progress, the work of God in you. And if you wait, you lose the message. Now Paul's in prison, verse 7. And he starts to have kind of clarity. He starts to see his perspective is, is becoming sober. And being, he's starting to see the truth about his life being in prison. Now, I think he has the same belief, but he has a different perspective. It's caused him to reflect. And we know this because throughout the letter, he's speaking about his own issues. He's speaking about his own struggle of being in prison. He's thinking about what life used to be like on the outside, and now he's stuck in the inside, and he's talking about his competitors and people that are against him. He's very reflective in this letter. And interesting enough, he tells us, he sees the value of his circumstances, good and bad, especially at the end of the letter. He sees the value of his good circumstances, the good times, but also the bad. And this is directly related to our mission if our message is our progress. Listen to his prayer for his friends. Even the fact that he's praying for his friends while he is in prison shows that he has grown in the knowledge of God, which has increased his love for others. Listen to what he says. He's got three points. That love may abound from knowledge, awareness, depth of insight. As that grows, as the knowledge and depth of insight about Jesus grows, 
it should increase our love. Jesus' approach, Jesus' message of salvation, if we are his disciples, as we grow in him, so too should our message and mission grow to be like his. Paul sees that even in the midst of his suffering, which is really quite remarkable. He says that your love may abound from knowledge of Christ to discern what is best in order to think about or to make a decision about what is best for their life in light of the gospel, that they would be pure and blameless. What normally motivates your choices? What causes you to determine what's best for you? Is it logic? Is it money? Is it adoration? What causes you to say, that's what's best for me, not this? Paul says that that discernment comes from a knowledge of Christ for the believer. That to determine what is best is discerned from the Spirit of God, which he says here in verse 11, filled with the fruit of righteousness. The Spirit from Christ fills us with the fruit or the deeds of righteousness based on our discernment, which is based on our loving, our love, our growing love for God and Christ. Notice that he said in verse 11, he doesn't say that you can do, now that you have the knowledge of God and now that you know what to do, you better do it because it determines your righteousness. He says that righteousness or the fruit or the deeds of righteousness come out of an understanding of God. They're not there to cause God to accept us. To glorify God, verse 11 says, the fruit of Christ's Spirit comes through obedience. Now these three points, that love may abound from knowledge, to discern what is best, to be filled with the fruit of righteousness, is the blueprint of what Jesus' life is like. And it also answers our three questions in terms of what Jesus did. What was Jesus' mission? Because he loved God and he knew about what God's character was like, he comes to earth to, to die, to serve. He discerns what is best for humanity and himself as one who is being obedient to God. And his life is filled with the fruit of righteousness, a life obedient to God that not just demonstrates his own righteousness, but creates all righteousness, those who are unworthy. But here's where it gets tricky. You may have a mission, you may know your mission as a believer. And you may look back and say, yeah, I really have grown. Maybe you read a diary or someone hasn't seen you in four or five years and they, they bump into you and they say, you're different. Maybe you have a mission, maybe you've grown, but what's your view of suffering? 
What if your love abounds and you discern what is best, but when you choose what's best, the choice results in pain or harm to you or setbacks? After all, we are disciples of a crucified Lord. Pick up your cross and follow me. The student becomes like the master. What will happen to us? What's your view of suffering? Listen to what Paul's perspective is. In verse 12, he says, What has happened to me has served the gospel message. What's Paul's profession? He's a tent maker, but he's also a missionary. He's a preacher. He's a teacher. He's a church planner. And he's saying that him being wrapped in chains in a jail cell has served the gospel message. Notice that there is no hint of bitterness in his life in regard to this aspect. He says in verse 13, his bad circumstances were for the good of his mission. And this gets back to what is your mission and your progress. How can Paul say that his prison sentence has helped his ministry when his ministry is outside of prison? Your suffering, your setbacks, just like as they partnered with Paul from the very beginning, as they grew, that was their message. So your setbacks, your pain, your suffering, that is your message. What Jesus Christ has done for you in the midst of your pain and suffering is your message. It's your personal message that applies the gospel to other people who are like you. Do you believe that? Do you really think that that's true? You see, your suffering will bring you a ministry to where someone will say, me too. I thought I was the only one who thought that. I can't believe there's someone else that has a perspective like mine, but they've actually made it. They've come out of it. They've seen that it wasn't just a setback and a mark of shame, but something that caused them to turn to the gospel, to be empowered by God, to be given the power to love others. And they say, I want that. Imagine if the pain of Paul wasn't shared in this letter and he didn't tell them how he struggled. They wouldn't see where he was coming from. Your sincerity with where you are in your life will help you get over your fear. But it will also help other people get over the fear of your religion or your faith. See, a lot of us approach people with the intention of getting them to believe or wanting them to believe because we know that that would be a benefit to them. But if we withhold sincerity and the place that we've come from that causes us to run to the gospel, then we are are short-circuiting the message, Paul says. Or rather, he implies. Listen to the benefits of his suffering. To even say that is is strange to me, the benefits of his suffering. Verse 12, his circumstances allowed him to grow. 
I imagine Paul was, based off his letters and, and acts, he's kind of a fiery character, really aggressive maybe. wonder what it's like for him to be forced to sit in prison and think about things as he's doing here. Let me ask you a question. Are you safe in your comfort zone? What's your prison that's causing you to think about the realities of life? Often this week I was thinking about athletes and entertainers. I was reading this article about this, this college American football player that kind of fell off the map. And I, I remember thinking how good he was going to be when he became professional and he kind of just disappeared. And I started to read about his life and it was really quite tragic. It's kind of miraculous to me that, that professional athletes, after their career, are often very out of shape and, and broke, considering that they're at the pinnacle of, of physical ability and they're very well paid. And I started to think about this in this particular athlete's life, and the reason was is because he always was in a system, he was always under a coach that was saying, eat this, eat that, work out this way, don't work out this way. Maybe even had a handler that, that, that gave him an allowance and, and kind of kept his money safe. You see, when we're in a comfort zone, we lose our strength. When we depend on too many other people to do what's meant for us, we become weak. Paul is in a very dangerous spot. He's, he's fearing death and he's starting to realize that it's in his discomfort that he's getting clarity about his life. Are you safe in your comfort zone? And maybe, maybe you're worried, maybe I'm worried about engaging others, specifically non-believers. Or maybe even other Christians, engaging other Christians about where I am in my life. That's sometimes a scary place to be. What if they judge me? What if they listen to what I say and they don't agree? What if they think that they are more righteous and make me feel less righteous? Let me give you maybe a suggestion a suggestion that I tell myself sometimes in the mirror. Maybe I need some more losses in my life. Why? Because the losses sometimes mostly help you understand, help me understand where I fall short. It reveals where I'm weak. And just like the athlete who loses a game or a match or a competition, you don't learn in victory. You see, like Paul, he, he had to go to prison in order to see this. And what's even stranger about it is that it was God's plan to send him to prison to show it to him. Just like it was God's plan to lead Jesus to the cross which seems like an utter tragedy that an innocent man, and maybe Paul's innocent too, 
that an innocent person would have to suffer. It seems like a setback. It seems like it's against God's plan. Why would God allow this to happen? It's your ministry. Whether you're a student and you're struggling with your grades, or you make a mistake, or you're an ambassador and you make a a public error, or you say the wrong thing, or you misspeak. Whatever it is, whatever your job is, whatever type of relationships you have, when you make mistakes, which you're going to, which I'm going to, gives us the opportunity to maybe even apologize. But the power of your apology is sometimes more powerful than you being perfect and not having to apologize. But maybe something happens to you. Maybe it's a setback. Maybe you lose someone. Maybe you have a health problem. Or maybe you... Something happens that's out of your control that causes you to suffer. Paul's perspective is that that is God's hand in your life to be able to relate to other people who suffer. And when we see and understand and our love abounds from the knowledge of what Jesus has done for us, it causes us to discern what's right or wrong. It causes us to choose the things in our life that may cause us harm because Jesus is our leader. Jesus is our Lord. And that in the midst of those circumstances, it allows us to grow and to become more like him. What an incredible perspective that is so foreign to me. I said last week that I sometimes avoid pain. I I, I usually always avoid pain and inconvenience. If you're worried about engaging non-believers or even Christians about where you are, maybe you just need to jump in there and get a few losses. You'll realize in the midst of that that that's more about our ego than actually growing. Your courage to engage anyone, whether they're a believer or not, Your courage and your failures in life will give other people courage. And you being okay with those failures because you are okay with God through Jesus gives you incredible power when addressing other people who are in pain and suffering. What's your mission as a Christian? If you don't know what your mission is, think about the pain and the suffering in your life and think, how can I apply that to other people who are in pain? Use your failures to lead your mission. Paul certainly uses his failures to to lead. How has your knowledge of God increased? And has it increased your love for other people? Or does it cause you to turn inward? 
as we grow and become more aware of who Jesus is, it should lead us to live a life that's like his. Which leads us to the last question. What's your view of suffering? It's hard to avoid it. But we can see it as an opportunity for good. We can see it as an opportunity for revelation of where we are in our life, but also as a way to lead us to the gospel. And if we come out of that suffering, what an incredible message that we have for those who are in the midst of that suffering. And may God give us the grace to face those trials. Amen. We'll take a a moment of quiet or time of silence, as the order of worship says, to reflect. And as I like to say in this time, this isn't a moment to focus on, on us changing. It's more of a reflection on what God's doing. It's so tempting for us to say, what it, well, I need to have a mission. I need to do more. I need to grow in knowledge. And that is sometimes contrary to what God wants to do for you right now. take a moment and focus on the suffering of Christ for our sake and how that should change and focus and, and cause us to grow in his timing. Let's take a few minutes. In light of what God has done for us through Jesus, it's appropriate that we state what it exactly is, what exactly what it is that we believe. The Apostles' Creed is a historical statement of faith that's a statement of what Christians believe and what they've always believed. So if you would recite with me. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, in the life everlasting. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
please pray with me. Father, thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the gospel and what God has done, what you've done through Jesus. We pray that we would grow in knowledge of him and that our love for others, our love for others would grow as well. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God, we ask that you would reveal to us what you're doing in our life. And as we reflect on what's happened in our lives, whether good or bad, that we would see that you have worked those into our lives to lead us, God. Thank you for the perspective that you give us through Jesus. I pray that you would use all of our pain and all of our victories to reach Vilnius and Lithuania. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We'll close by way of Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our final hymn is 113. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Hymn 113.
Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.